pattern. Downfield, touchdown Miami. What a throw, Devontae Parker. Holy smokes, what a drive. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? It is Tuesday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's a crossover edition here of the Drive Time Podcast. Seth and OJ from the Fish Tank are going to join me. We're going to talk all things Zach Thomas and his Hall of Fame candidacy. We're going to go over his resume, how he stacks up against his peers, and get you some great stories about Zach both on and off the field like only the guys from the Fish Tank can do. All of that and more on this Tuesday, February the 2nd edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Miami Dolphins. Let's go ahead and just jump right in now to my two guests from the Fish Tank Podcast. You can find them here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, Seth Levitt and OJ McDuffie. It is that time once again, an off-season crossover edition here with Drive Time and the Fish Tank Podcast. I've got Seth Levitt, I've got OJ McDuffie, Juice in the house. What's up, boys? Good to be here, man. Uh, excited to talk about one of my favorite topics. No doubt about it, man. We miss you, Travis. How you been, bro? I've been good, long. man. I'm, I'm, it's it's snowing out here, so I don't love that. But uh, you know, this <laughs> is snowing in Miramar. I know we're we're back home. I, I do get to be around the family right now, which is great. But we do not miss the snow at all, man. Like I had to go out and and use the ice scraper on the windshield the other day. I was just saying this is bullshit the entire time. Like under my breath, this is bullshit. I hate this. I'm yeah, not doing it worst. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, I learned that juice when I worked for the Cavs and in your hometown yep. and I, I got there and my uncle handed me a, a defroster, this little, like, uh, it looked like a can of WD-40, but it shot, you know, and, and, and an ice scraper. I said, what do I need this for? He said, you'll learn. <laughs> That's right. You'll learn. <laughs> well, nope. you know, I had to go start the car for my mom every morning. You know what I mean? And we had the car run for like a, that first half hour or so, you know, before we got in. Half hour? It was so, at least. At least. And we didn't have, you know, we had an old clunker, too. So we ran a lot of gas in the, right there in the driveway, you know, oil spots and stuff in the snow. It was great. Hey, now when it drops below 60 here, I'm warming the car up for oh, 20 man, minutes before I'm I take soft, the kids. Bro, I'm soft, <laughs> Well, every, every time we do a podcast here with an alumni, they always tell us, well, I stayed in South Florida because of the weather. And so, I mean, I... It yeah. definitely keeps you there a little bit, or at least that's one of the reasons why they stay down there. And uh, no. we are talking about an alumni on this podcast. The reason we have you guys on is because for the second straight year, Zach Thomas is a finalist for the Hall of Fame. One of 15 finalists will find out on Saturday whether or not he does get in. And I guess I wanted to start off by asking this question because, OJ, you've probably obviously played with you know a few of them. And Seth, you've been around a few of them as well. We'll start with you, OJ. What is a Hall of Famer to you, and how does Zach Thomas fit that criteria? Hall of Famers, um, you know, we'll start off with the first thing about Zach. Zach's a, a great teammate. I mean, there's nothing like the, the guy that leads your team on, you know, both sides of the ball in that locker room that people fall in line with and are, are 100% behind them. Another thing that you got to think about with a Hall of Famer is longevity. Jack, Zach played in, in the league over 10 years. Um, not along with longevity, productivity. You know what I mean? How, how much did he produce? I mean, it was nonstop. I mean, I think he averaged over 150 tackles a year, um, you know, with the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, and that's, that's, and that's huge. 
I mean, and, and Zach was that guy that did it consistently. Another criteria you want to have as a Hall of Famer. And then, I mean, you look at Zach also, look at his numbers. I mean, bottom line with the Hall of Fame, a lot of times it comes down to numbers. And you compare his numbers to all the other guys that are in already that he played in the same time with. I mean, it makes I mean it makes plenty of sense that Zach should, should be in the Hall of Fame. Pro Bowls, all pro, you know, being the best of the best. I mean, I think he was all pro seven times, five as a first team all pro. I mean, there's a lot of different numbers that you can throw out there, but productivity, consistent, longevity, that's the reason Zach Thomas is that guy that should be in the Hall of Fame, and it's long overdue. And Seth, I know, Seth, you did a lot of the, you know, stat keeping and stuff, w- tracking stuff on the flights back from road games, and, and just basically we, we, we called you pro football reference from the 1990s, right? You were the one keeping track of all those stats and, and racking up all those tackles. I'm sure Zach was prominent on your list. I'd love to hear about how that went. Like, did, did he ever, did players ever come and check on you and say, hey, how many tackles did I get or how many sacks did I get? But I'm also wondering kind of, you know, we talk about the Hall of Fame. It's a, it's a, you know, a very unique brotherhood, a very unique, you know, fraternity of, of football players. There's something about the character by which a player or the character of a player and the way he conducts himself off the field that goes into that Hall of Fame candidacy, right? Uh, well, you'd like to think that it should. I think there's some unique examples where some guys were just so darn dominant that um, even though they may have had some off the field issues, it, it just can't keep them out of the hall. Uh, the Hall does have some standards that they define a Hall of Famer by, and, and, and character is a part of that. And if character is on the list, you know, Zach certainly is, is a first ballot quality guy uh, as far as character is concerned. And I think Juice nailed it. I mean, when you look at, at all of the different categories, um, I do believe that his, uh, you know, performance, uh, first and foremost, performance is critical. Um, I, I think that, you know, they look at, at the, the era that you played in and did you dominate your era? You know, were you just a guy? You, you can't, regardless of your numbers, if you did not stick out in the era that you played in, then, then how could you be considered one of the all-time greats? And Zach certainly did, um, did do that. Uh, they, they look at, did you change individual games? Did you make plays that changed individual games and have an impact on individual games in the greatest team sport alive? Um, and uh, at the same time, did you change the game? Did you change the sport in any way? And so, you know, there's a lot of different factors. It's not an exact science. Uh, it's an incredible voting process. Um, and I think it's something that uh, everybody's got a little defin- different definition as to what a Hall of Famer should look like, uh, should smell like, and, and, and what his stats should read. But I, I think OJ's right. And I think, you know, Dolphin Nation is right, that, that Zach Thomas checks the boxes. I mean, he's a guy that should be in. His contemporaries that went in on the first ballot were guys that he was measured against. You know, when you look at Ray Lewis, who is arguably one of the greatest middle linebackers of all time, you look at Brian Urlacher, who went in on the first ballot. Those are the guys that Zach was measured against, and Zach had all of the all pros, just as many, if not more than, you know, I think he had more than Brian and and, and measured up there with Ray. Um, and that's not a Pro Bowl list. That's not just what's going right. on in the NFC East or your conference. Right. That's what's going on with the league. And so if he was if he was considered one of the preeminent guys of that generation, and those two guys are first ballot guys, I think Zach is due. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the the peers because I've seen that graphic, I don't know how many times now, hundreds, with his stats right next to Brian Erlacher's stats, and they're comparable across the board, and really in the same vein of Ray Lewis, too, like you mentioned there. And I think that's something that maybe people get bogged down in when it comes to Hall of Fame voting. How did he measure up against the people that he played against in that decade-long period or whatever it might have been? Like, was he a top five player in his position every single year? Then if so, yeah, he probably deserves some recognition for Canton. Now, We've heard so many stories from the fish tank, from, you know, whatever it might be with Zach. And one of my favorite things is talking to Channing Crowder, who played, you know, with Zach for a couple of years there in his rookie portion of his career. And Zach was in the back end of his Dolphins career. And he always just raved about Zach's preparation, telling him where to go, when to shoot a gap. OJ, when you were playing against him in practice, when it was one-on-ones, how often was he doing that stuff in practice? Oh, Zach was the best, man, because you, like Channing talked about, uh, nobody prepared more. You know, but see, I had to give Zach the business as a as a as a as a rook at times. You know, you know, I had to teach him a couple of lessons out there in some of those one on ones when he, you know, linebackers try to get me on those crossing routes. So sometimes you got to fake that crosser and go back out. You know, I try to get Zach to to know that you know at this level, Zach, you're not gonna you're not gonna tee off on one of the star players on your own team for one, and for two, you know, they're gonna give you some different looks like that. But he was always prepared. I mean, I remember you know Zach ordered breakfast, lunch, and dinner into the facility before they provide it for us. Now I think the guys get it, <laughs> they get it catered now there, but Zach was always in there watching film and you couldn't really take film home back then. So he was always in the building. So there was nobody, there's nobody that knew more about the opposing team than Zach Thomas did. And uh, you know, you, you see it in film. I, I watched some games, even as a fan afterwards, where it seems like our whole defense is going one way, but Zach is going the other way. And sure enough, Zach read the play correctly. And he's the only guy that could have made a play and nine out of 10 times he made the play. So talk about preparation. Uh, there's nobody bigger. Nobody watched more film. Nobody took more notes than Zach Thomas. And that's what made him, that made him great as well. Not only his ability to go out there and make plays, but his preparation was the best of anybody. How much of that do you think comes from the fact that he was a fifth round draft pick, an undersized guy that, you know, wasn't supposed to make it because here's this, you know, and I'm paraphrasing slow late round draft pick that just is not big enough to play in the league. Do you think that he always had that inherently because of his, let's call him shortcomings physically, or do you think that that was something that he developed as he became in the national football league? Well, let me tell you, man, I knew Zach. I met Zach when he played against Penn state, when he was at Texas tech and the dude had about 20 some tackles against us. So at that point I knew he was one hell of a player. I knew his work ethic was unbelievable. I knew that his preparation was unbelievable. And then, so I, I, I saw him play against Penn state, but then I met him at Walter camp, all American banquet where he became, you know, that's one of the, the oldest and greatest college all American teams ever. And Zach was one of those guys and the humility, how humble he was, uh, you know, and he came up and introduced himself to me and Kajana Carter. And he's like, Hey, I'm Zach Thomas. Me and Q are like, we know who you are. You, know, you had like 20-some tackles against my team, man. You don't need to introduce yourself to us, man. But he's always carried himself the exact same way. Humble, hardworking. And I think that preparation started in high school, playing in Texas, you know, obviously college at Texas Tech, and then in the pros. He just never took anything for granted, never took any shortcuts, and always, always prepared and worked his butt off, man. And OJ, you mentioned that he would have food brought into the facility every single day so he could watch film there. And that reminds me of a story, Seth, that you guys uh, had. I think it was Jason Cole might have been on the fish tank where he talked about the, you know, the Cheetos and the light switches and that all the all the the light (laughs) outlets in his house had Cheeto dust all over him because he was so 
ingrained in just watching the tape and nothing else that he wouldn't even think to like wipe his hands off in between going to the bathroom or going back to the kitchen. Like that's just like, that's crazy to me, man. Like what can you tell us about that story? Yeah. I mean, it was a great story. I hadn't heard that one. Um, and you know, my first year working for the team was Zach's rookie year. So was definitely a part of his entire journey here in Miami in, in some way, shape or form had not heard that story. Wasn't surprised for two reasons. One, if you had ever been to Zach and Izzo's, uh, rookie year apartment over there at St. Joe and Plantation Juice. That place was filthy. It was a pigsty. So, you know, Cheeto dust on the walls didn't surprise me. But no, he's a, he's the ultimate grinder, man. I mean, he put as much, if not more time in than some of the coaches. And that's not hyperbole. I mean, he Zach was that kind of a guy. Um, and it was uh, it was maniacal in, in terms of his dedication to film. And it didn't matter if it was a preseason game where he he one time we found a, uh, he kept these notebooks and we found a notebook uh, for Detroit in a preseason game that he was maybe going to play one series in. And he had done, you know, ha- filled up half of this notebook and studied, t- and it's preseason. How much tape can you pull juice on, on a team? Right. Right. Uh, you, you know, so he had, but he had pulled wherever this coach had been and what Detroit had done and these tendencies. And he never wanted to put bad uh, plays out on, on film in practice, in games, uh, he always wanted to be prepared and then let the performance, uh, you know, show for itself there. And so, you know, to hear that story, you just have to laugh knowing Zach. But he w- it was unbelievable the amount of time that he spent. You've heard so many of his uh, contemporaries talk about how he was constantly in their playbook. Peyton Manning, you know, of all people, would be frustrated that Zach was was in his head and in his playbook and knew what they were going to run. And, and Zach always talked about, you know, pre-snap juice uh, that, that he would look at alignment and that he would make his read pre-snap before that first step was taken and that was really what he thought was his advantage and all that came from film study it all came from film study um and and he did have food brought in thursday nights was longhorn night there for the coaches and i'd have to go in and sneak some food down to him you know the coaches didn't want to share that food and i'd make a plate and sneak <laughs> it down for him but uh he just lived at the facility and it was it was pretty special now Obviously, receiver and linebacker are different positions with different responsibilities, but maybe, OJ, you can help the fans understand what exactly goes into that notebook because, you know, we we hear about film study as fans and we just think a guy maybe goes in and and watches his opponent who he can go up one-on-one against, maybe some offensive tendencies. Like, what all goes into that notebook? Is it like splits of the offensive line, receiver alignment, the way they stack things? Like, what goes into that study that makes him so good and, and just really makes the fans appreciate even more how much he put into it to get that production that he ultimately had? Yeah, actually, all that goes into it. And linebacker is probably the, the toughest position on defense in terms of alignment, especially when you're the captain on that defense. A lot of times, Zach's got to make the calls. Zach's got to make the checks. You know, and when you look at different alignments, seeing, uh, you know, offensive alignment sitting heavy or sitting light, Sitting heavy, usually a run situation. Sitting light, usually a pass situation. Uh, Lyman itself, that he's seen one little thing that he might pick up on film is in that notebook saying, all right, you know, if Kevin Mawai is doing this, this is what they're going to be doing 50% of the time. And that, I mean, if you get a 50-50 chance on being right about something, I mean, that's obvious an advantage. He's that quarterback, literally, on the other side where, you know, as a wide receiver, I worried about coverage. You know, I've got a couple of guys, my blitz. I got to maybe break it hot. Uh, who I'm blocking quarterbacks got to see all that alignment four threes, you know, four, three, a three, four, um, you know, a bear defense. I don't need, I don't need to see any of that stuff. You know, Zach's a guy that has to see everything and put everybody in position, you know, to be successful, get the secondary set, get the line set. How many times you've seen a linebacker 
go up and tap a defensive lineman on the butt to move him over maybe six inches, 12 inches, you know, and that was Zach's job as well. So there was so much that goes into a linebacker, a middle linebacker's book. And what I like most about Zach and, 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 and Seth will contest to this, attest to this, he shared his knowledge with people. You know what I mean? He wasn't, he wasn't stingy with it. If he knew that, you know, you talk about that Detroit preseason game, whoever was going to play the majority of that game, I guarantee Zach shared that knowledge with him or shared that book with him too. And that's the type of teammate he was as well. But his preparation was second to none. The notebooks we talk about were unbelievable. Spending the time in the facility, uh, hours up on end, but it, it had him ready for a Sunday or Monday all the time. Yeah, you, you know, you mentioned the the pre-snap checklist he has to go through. I find myself watching games trying to do the same thing, and it overwhelms me, man. Like, you have 30 seconds to get the personnel grouping, who's moving with motion, and all just all these things that are going on in a football field. It's absolutely chaos in a 30-second period to get to that, you know, five- or six-second snap between whistles. And, Seth, you had mentioned Peyton Manning earlier, and that's that's kind of where I want to go next with the, the peers and the way they talked about him, the guys that played against him on the other side of the football, not, you know, fellow linebackers like Erlocker and uh, Ray Lewis. But, you know, Peyton Manning said that Zach Thomas gave me more problems than any defensive defensive player I ever played against. Kevin Mawai told a story about how Bill Parcell said, if you don't get Zach Thomas blocked, if you don't take care of 54, we're not going to win this football game. So he was a very, you know, well thought of peer across the way people attacked him and the way people planned for him in the NFL. Like, that was unanimous, right? Because you mentioned Peyton Manning, Kevin Mawai, two Hall of Famers, but there was probably more guys that felt the same way. Yeah, I mean, he just had tremendous respect. And, and, and look, especially in that era when you're making all those Pro Bowls, that's, that's players around the league that are voting for you. I mean, that's it, it especially – it still is, but it was especially that way, you know, back, back in, in the times that Zach was playing. Um, and he was highly respected by coaches and by players uh, and, by, and certainly by his teammates. You know, you mentioned Kevin Mawai, and I was was kind of blown away when Mawai. You, know, you only have so much time to get up there on that that podium. You know, you, you spend your whole life hoping to make it to that moment, and especially and, and Kevin Mawai. You know, he wasn't a first ballot guy, so he had to go through the process multiple times, be told no no multiple times. Finally, gets there, and he's writing that speech, and he takes the time. To not mention, he mentioned teammates and guys he played with, but he takes the time to mention that Zach Thomas deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And, and that was, I was really blown away by that. You know, you're, again, you only get so many, so much time. The Hall's reviewing your speech before you even go up there. You, you got to keep TV in mind. You want to get to the party afterwards with your friends and family. And, and you know, let's face it, Kevin Wye played pretty well against Zach. You know, he, he gave Zach fits. But he felt that this was a guy that he had to bring into his speech, into his moment, to say this guy deserves to be in this hall as well. I mean, I don't know that you can get any higher praise than that. And I think Kevin Mawai is a guy, too, Seth, that, you know, the Jets went and got a guy that could get up on Zach. Athletic enough at the center position because they knew that that was – Zach was giving people fits. Having the big boys in front of him was one thing, but, you know, you never saw a team scheme more about getting a center up on a middle linebacker than what the Jets did with Kevin Mawai being as, as, as athletic as he was. That's a so, great point. You know, you've seen guys that go out and get cover corners to cover a wide receiver. Well, how about go and get a, a cover center that can get up on a middle <laughs> right, linebacker right. that's a badass. And that go- that we goes- have seen a team go draft a left tackle to get up on Bro Smith. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right. We'll wait for that guy to be recognized, that, too. That goes right into your point, right, Seth? You made earlier about how how does the guy change the game? How does he change the way people play against you or prepare yeah. for you? But that's, that's proof in the pudding right there. Absolutely. 
So it's it's more than just Zach, the production, and Zach on the football field because, you know, you guys had him in the fish tank, you had Larry Izzo in the fish tank, and you've heard so many good stories about this dude and, and just the fun that he had in South Florida during the peak of his playing career. Is there a favorite story you've got, Seth, whether it's the Rolling Hills, you know, the great animation oh, you guys man. did, or maybe it was the swimming out to the buoy and, and almost you know, <laughs> losing his, his wits out there or, or trying to get on a fight on the side of the highway with Larry Izzo? Like, is there a story that really <laughs> defines Zach Thomas for you away from the football field? There, there's so many. There are so many of them. I, you know, and I could point to any one of those um, that, that would <laughs> – the Izzo stuff is some of my favorite because yeah. those two guys <laughs> were so much fun, and they really were – you know, we – we had the great animated piece for the, that fish tank moment of them streaking across uh, when, when OJ and, and some accomplices uh, made them streak across Rolling Hills. I plead but, a fifth. <laughs> uh, when OJ allegedly uh, yeah. did these things. But, uh, I mean, no, those were just those two guys together was so much fun, and, um, and I love those stories. But maybe one that I experienced personally, um, and, and I, I don't know that one ranks better than the other. I really don't. But Zach was invited to do one of these moments at the heat game where you have the little contest and the guy shoots the layup and the, fr- the, the, yeah. the free throw and, or, or whatever it was, the three-point shot and, you know, and then the crowd can win or what have you. And so he got invited to do it. He said yes. And then just, just like everything else we said and him wanting to be prepared and not wanting to put bad tape out there, he said, hey, where can I go shoot free throws? You know, I'm not going to go out there and embarrass myself. And he, uh, before he went down to what was then the Miami Arena, Juice, he went up, he, we went up to the park, up to, uh, up to the park in Sunrise and shot free throws for like an hour so that he could be warmed up and prepared. And I'm like, you're really doing this for this moment that half the people aren't even going to watch and they just want to win a damn T-shirt. He was not going to embarrass himself. And I think that just defines who we're dealing with here. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. I mean, he, the, the, I mean, Zach was so freaking humble, man. You know what I mean? He really checked his ego at the door. I don't even know if he had one before he got at, into the door. I think he had a chip on his shoulder. But like you said, Seth, man, he, I mean, the stories you, you mentioned, Travis, were so so funny. And we learned a lot of those by listening to, and talking to other people. The Jason Cole one-on-one story that Seth knew about and talked about. You know what I mean? There's so many great things about Zach and and uh, even that, that game still pisses him off. And that's another thing about Zach. <laughs> Zach is the ultimate competitor. He's been at our house, you know, my house playing basketball so many times. And, dude, you don't want to play against it. You want him on your team, Travis. I promise you that. Because, you know, you don't want him to put his hands on you. You don't want to put your hands on him, if you know what I mean, Big Seth. Hey, you, know? you remember what Dixon said, though. Don't give him the ball now. He said <laughs> he can't see the dribble. That's but right. his team's always going to win. That's right, man. You're not gonna get anybody out there more physical. He thought he was playing middle linebacker on a five on five, you know, pickup game in the backyard, man. And that's why you always want him. He's always competing. You know, yeah, no he put a lot what. of pressure on me too, Juice. He said I didn't move my feet enough on defense. <laughs> well, got to move your feet, especially against. And Seth was out there preserving careers, so I get it. I understand. Man, I write press releases. I don't lock down people on the court, man. <laughs> You know, I wanted to finish with this because I think it's, you know, Seth, you had mentioned this earlier on the pod that it, what what the criteria for a Hall of Famer is. And, you know, I went over the checklist as you were going through that. And I thought, Zach checks all those boxes. And, and one of the ones you mentioned was some defining games that he had, defining moments on the field. And I think there are so many to choose from, you know, the front flip into the end zone, I think is pr- probably the one that people think of most. But do you guys have one that really sticks out in your mind? Like when you first thought, hey, Travis wants to do a podcast talking about Zach Thomas What's the first play that came to your mind when you think about Zach Thomas? I'll start with you, Seth. 
oh, I was hoping you were going to start with Juice. <laughs> uh, you know, it's so tough because there were so many of them. I mean, you know, look at all those tackles and, and, and the interceptions and everything that he did. Um, you know, there was a goal line stand against Atlanta that uh, I, I think he had like a third and a fourth down play where, I mean, he just he's just there before the running back is. He hits the hole before the back does, and there's always big collisions. And, um, you know, that one stands out to me. But really, the first play that anybody ever remembers Zach Thomas making is the play that in so many ways defined his career, you know, and it was it was against New England and Sean yeah. Jefferson. And, and um, you know, you don't like to see a guy get knocked out on the field, but it just it, it just told you that this guy had arrived in Miami and that he was going to be a force to reckon with throughout his entire career, which we were so fortunate was a very, very long one and, and, and quite a decorated one as well. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback on that one, and I think we talked about it a little bit earlier, Travis, about you know it seemed like the whole team sometimes might be going the wrong way, but Zach's preparation always seemed to have him in the right place to make a play. And if Zach doesn't make that play, for one, you know Sean Jefferson's still running. You know he had a convoy out in front of him. Uh, you know our other team, you know we we got caught up on that reverse situation, but Zach read it like we talked about before. But to lay the wood the way he did, and Seth, I'm with you on that. You know, you hate to see, and I'm a good, I'm good friends with Sean Jefferson. You know, to this day, you hate to see a player get hurt like that. But it set a tone. And how many games have we seen Zach set a tone like that? Like, oh damn, they 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 hitting out here today. Don't think that when you hit somebody like that, the whole team doesn't feel it. You know what I mean? And so when you see your teammate like that, you know, stretched out, unfortunately, the rest of the team feels it. So that's that's a thing that always Zach always brought. But that play right there that tone setter, and he did that a lot for the Miami Dolphins. Seth mentioned that the Atlanta Falcons goal line stand, and, and we talked about, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna get off the floor, off the court with a victory in, in the OJ backyard basketball games, you're gonna better you're probably gonna have to do it with an N one call because Zach's not gonna let you leave there, you know, <laughs> on, on on two legs without a crunch or something. It. And uh, you know, that's what that reminded me of in the two thousand five opener against the Broncos. They had a first and goal from the one. They even got an extra play because JT jumped into the neutral zone and got flagged for that. And so they had Come five on, plays JT. to get in. Hey, I'm calling it like it is. <laughs> JT had a, had a 88-yard fumble return touchdown in that game, too. So, hey, he we're, made he, up for he it. Made he up made for up for it a little bit. But Zach had three stops at the one-yard line, two tackles for loss, one stuff for no gain, and it thwarted the Broncos away, and it kind of turned the momentum of that game. And just, man, he was not going to be scored on, and he was going to use the notebooks to, to get himself in right position with the preparation, and he was going to use his skills to get in there and make plays. And that was a great combination of both those two things, I thought. Hall of Famer all the way, gold jacket. I mean, what else can you say about the guy? We're going to find out this weekend. That's it, guys. I mean, that's all I got for you. Unless there's anything, last words you want to add here, Seth or OJ. I mean, I, I, that's that's my case for, for him making the Hall of Fame. Like, you guys sure. want to maybe make your push here? Well, I, look, I, I think we've made a push the entire interview here, and I, and I, I definitely think that Zach belongs there. Um, and, and I don't think it's a matter of if. I think it's a matter of when. You, you hope it's this year. We hoped it was last year. It's a, it's a funny process, you know, and you start looking at who else is going in. I mean, we talked about Peyton Manning earlier. He's taken up one of those spots. We know Peyton's yeah. going in. So, you know, kind of like in pickup basketball, since we're using basketball here, <laughs> you know, when, when, a team, when a team loses, there's only so many guys at the court juice. Hey, we, got, we need to fill two spots. We got five people shooting to get on these two spots. 
you know, there's 15 guys trying to get in for five spots and Peyton just took one of them and, and you got Charles Woodson there. And yeah. so it's going to be really competitive. You don't make it to be a finalist. You don't make it to the 15 and into that room unless you're one of the greatest who's ever played the game. And, uh, and, and Zach is one of those guys. And so I, I really, really hope that this is the year. But if it's not, I, I just believe that it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Yeah, and another thing about Zach, too, is, man, he, he'll never self-promote. You know what I mean? He's going to let it, let it ride out, let it happen. If it happens, it happens. You know what I mean? It's not going to, it's not going to define him. You know, it, obviously we all feel that he should be in there. And there's a million people obviously that feel like he should be in there as well. But, you know, Zach's not going to be a guy out there, you know, pouting or, or upset about the fact that, you know, it didn't happen last year, you know, if it doesn't happen this year, but, you know, obviously, you know, he's a guy that should be there. Some of the guys that are in there, they were, you know, pounding their own chest. They were doing different things to get in there, you know, being uh, relevant, being on TV, radio, whatever. And that's probably how they got in because, you know, the rest of the world got a chance to notice him. You'll never see that from Zach. His, his humbleness and his humility is still there. Uh, he'll let, you know, let the voters do what they have to do and let his, his, his play and his film speak for itself. And that's where we come in. We're going to try to campaign for Zach as much as we can this week. And hopefully – Hopefully we see him get that nod on Saturday, that visit uh, for the Hall of Fame. But always a fun weekend for Hall of Fame before the Super Bowl. OJ McDuffie, Seth Levitt of the Fish Tank Podcast. What's coming up, guys? Anything coming up here on the Fish Tank uh, in the coming weeks or months? We've been enjoying the downtime. Yeah. <laughs> I can't lie. We've been enjoying a little vacation time. Um, but we, we no, are... don't, don't listen to him, Chav. He called me the other day talking about how much he missed me, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, no, I, just, I missed Just this, I missed this shooting shit, time. you know what I mean? Right, don't, don't listen to him, man. He, <laughs> I can miss you and still enjoy having my feet up on the couch a little bit. Dude. So, no, we've been enjoying that, but we have been scheming and plotting and, and, and getting some guys lined up, we got some exciting guests uh, that, that we're lining up now. And we also have, uh, I, I'm very excited to say, that there is another fish tank animated short on its way so so that'll be the next thing anybody sees or hears from us uh and, and then we'll have some more fun later how do the fans find those seth <laughs> i think we're working through that as well um but uh you know the dolphins do such a great job as you know travis you all do such a great job of promoting whether it's through social media through the youtube channels the facebook which i the, the facebook page is one of the largest in the entire nfl as far as a fan site Juice knows because he's right in there with the fans. He's right in there in the mix. So um, I imagine it'll be on all channels. Yeah, very good. Because I was, I was thinking about the Zach Thomas and Larry Izzo one. I, I think that was on YouTube, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. it can okay. be found on YouTube. Perfect. That's exactly right. So yeah, go to YouTube. Check that out. Check out all the Fish Tank episodes. They have a phenomenal catalog, guys. You won't want to miss it. Go check out Zach Thomas's episode here before, the, uh, before we find out on Saturday if he's going to Canton or not this year. And like Seth said, hopefully a matter of if or a matter of when, not if, for Zach Thomas. So let's go, let's go ahead and close up this podcast. Seth Levitt, OJ McDuffie from The Fish Tank. Thanks as always, fellas. Appreciate it, Trav. Thanks, Travis. And away they go. Always a fun podcast when we have the crossovers here with the two guys from The Fish Tank, Seth and OJ. Again, they have such a great catalog of Dolphins podcasts with interviews with all the great alumni, journalists from the area, national media folks, plenty of good content there at The Fish Tank. As for this Zach Thomas special edition here of the Drive Time Podcast, that 
going to be my time. We'll find out on Saturday if Zach is going to Canton, and we'll get you guys all the content afterwards when we find out here on MiamiDolphins.com, on Drive Time, the fish tank, the whole lot, all a cart when it comes to Zach Thomas. You guys all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. You can follow the team at Miami Dolphins. And of course, like Seth mentioned there, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.